Thank you for downloading this podcast from the Pardes Institute of Jewish Studies. This episode of Pardes from Jerusalem features Rav Mike Foyer on Parashat Vayechi. This podcast has been generously sponsored by Bob Karasov and Hannah Bloomfield in honor of their children and grandchildren. Did you know that Pardes from Jerusalem is on Spotify? Be sure to follow us there to make sure that you're getting the weekly Parsha podcast. And now, Rav Mike Foyer. You know, for most of the book of Breshit, the book of Genesis, in one way or another, we've been saying, that everything follows the beginning. And it makes a lot of sense. I mean, these titanic figures of the Avot and the Imaot, Avram Yitzchak Yaakov, Tzara Rivka, Rachel Valea, just personalities that never cease to inspire and give. And in fact, the principle of Ma'ase Avot Siman Labanim, the idea that everything which occurred to our ancestors is really a signpost along the way for us in our own lives, is not just a guide to every generation which seeks to learn from the actions of our ancestors. It's actually a call to action for each one of us every single week to dig into the Parsha and see what exactly it has to say about our lives. But now we've come to the end, or at least the end of the beginning. It's been a long journey through the book of Breshit, and I'm sorry that we didn't get to have it all together. But now we've come to the time to apply a new operating principle. Klaloshel Davar, says the Gemara in Bahot, that everything goes after the end. And so here at the end of the beginning, at the end of the book of Breshit, we actually find a new type of end, another type of end, and that's the death of Yaakov and Yosef, our last links to that generation of the greats. And each of them will gift their descendants with an important insight right there on the deathbed. And I believe that they have something to teach all of us in this way as well. So let's start out with Yaakov. It says in the 47th chapter of Breshit, right toward the beginning of our parsha, tells you that Yaakov was 17 years in the land of Egypt, finally, so that the whole span of his life came to 147 years. And it says, when the time approached for Israel to die, notice the jump between Yaakov and Israel, still here on his deathbed, he's got both sides within him. He summons Yosef, and he makes him swear. He says, do me this favor. Place your hand under my thigh as a pledge of your steadfast loyalty. Please do not bury me in Egypt. When I lie down with my fathers, take me out from Egypt and bury me in their burial place. Now, on one hand, it may seem a fairly obvious last request. On another, it's quite significant. The fact that he makes Yosef swear tells us that Yaakov is not so certain that such a thing will come about and that it's of critical importance in his eyes. Now, one might just see emptiness in the grave, or you might find there a rest from labors, even a heavenly reward. Personally, I look to it as a place where we find peace where we can know that whatever job we were put on the earth to do is finally done. And it's a feeling that Yaakov Avinu has been seeking his whole long and difficult life. Every time he tried to come to rest, some other trouble leapt up and pushed him back into motion. And therefore, in my eyes, it should come as no surprise that our Parsha opens with his concern that he find that rightful resting place. Because it's not just here. It occupies quite a bit of the Parsha. You know, he makes Yosef swear, binding him with that oath. And later, once he has all the brothers gathered together, his last words are a shockingly detailed description of exactly where he's to be buried. 
If you look there, it says he instructed them, saying, I'm about to be gathered to my kin. Bury me with my fathers in the cave, which is in the field of Ephron the Hithi, the cave, which is in the field of Machpelah, facing Mamre, in the land of Canaan, the cave, the field that Avram bought from Ephron and so on. You can look at the details in the source sheet. It's quite noteworthy. And when he finishes his instructions, he draws his feet into the bed and, breathing his last, is gathered to his people. There's a much larger discussion to be had about what exactly the cave of the patriarchs and matriarchs represents in this story. But for our present purposes, just note that Yaakov is the last to be buried there. It, see, it serves its final purpose with his death as well. It's really where the story of the Avot and the Imaot of our forefathers and foremothers comes to an end, where it finds its wholeness. And that's the idea that really interests me right now. That sense of wholeness which Yaakov has finally attained. There's nothing left to do in life except to rejoin his ancestors. Except one thing. Because the wholeness that she has finally attained at this stage of life, which makes him really long for the grave, it seems, is also an important vessel. It's a vessel for his last act, which will be to bless his children. You know, to be whole in the Hebrew language is to be shalem. Right, which is closely, uh, which is of course closely related to the word shalom, and shalom, peace, is the only vessel which can hold a real blessing. As the mission in Oktin says, Amar of Shimon ben Chalifta, Rabbi right? Shimon ben Chalifta said, "Lo shalom." Right, the Holy One, blessed be He, found no vessel that could hold blessing for Israel except that of peace. There's something about reaching the end that gives you a perspective, in Yaakov's case, on life, that will allow you to really bless your children with a wholeness of heart. And so I want to look, there are two different blessings which Yaakov gives here at the end of his life, and I want to look at them and learn something from each. But as we do, just keep in mind that this is a perspective on life which we may learn about, but really only becomes available here at the end. The first is his ability that he passes on to Am Yisrael to give a blessing through the sons of Yosef. It's a beautiful and somewhat confusing scene there in the 48th chapter of Breshit when Yaakov, knowing that he's going to die, calls Yosef to visit him. And Yosef comes, and there in 48 lines 8 through 11, if you look on the source sheet, says that, um, that Yisrael saw Yosef's sons and asked, who are these? You get the sense that he's perhaps a little bit old. Yosef says, these are my sons that God has given me. He says, bring them to me that I may bless them. And then it says, now Israel's eyes were dim with age. He could not see. And he, Joseph brought them close and he kissed them and he embraced them. And then he says a very important thing. He says, Vayoma Yisrael el Yosef, lo bilalti. Right? I never, and you look at the translation, it, I never expected to see you again. And here God has let me see your children as well. On some level, Yaakov's experience of seeing not just Yosef, the son he had lost for over 20 years, but Yosef's children brings him a sense of wholeness and satisfaction that perhaps nothing else in his life ever had. But that phrase is very evocative. And I think it can teach us something very important about what it is to give a blessing. He says, And if you look at Rashi, Filalti really means I never thought or I, I never you know, expected, as the translator said. But Rashi says, Lo milani libi. My heart wouldn't fill itself. I didn't have the courage or the hope. Yaakov couldn't let himself feel the hope and courage 
that he might, he might one day see Yosef again, and now he sees his sons. Hope is an essential ingredient in all blessings. You know, we say a blessing is tosefet tova. It's just adding some goodness. And hope is the belief that what is does not define what will be, that there's something more out there. That's why Yaakov couldn't let himself hope to see Yosef again, because the pain, if it didn't happen, would be too much. He had already accepted what was and didn't want to imagine, didn't have the courage to consider what might be. But as an essential ingredient to all the blessings, what hope does is it opens one to that which is not yet, that which might be, that which is a tosefet tova, a goodness, which doesn't flow directly from the situation in which we find ourselves, but flows from our ability to open to something more. So that's the inner state that Yaakov is holding before he blesses the boys. But then he goes on, and he indeed blesses them, and it's, of course, a complicated scene that he, he, he crosses over his hands, keeping consistent to give the blessing of the firstborn to the youngest brother, so that in his own life he had experienced such a switch. And we'll see throughout the Tanakh, I challenge you to find me a firstborn of significance who actually inherits the blessing from his father. But here, once again, right, he puts Ephraim before Menashe. But what I'm interested here in Breshit 48, uh, in line 20, is at the end of blessing Ephraim and Menashe with the sort of classic lines of Hamalach HaGoel Ti, that song that we all, God willing, love to sing to our children, the angel that redeemed me, Yaakov says, right? And through you, or by you, Israel shall invoke the blessing, saying, right? Let God make you like Ephraim and Menashe. You know, every Friday night when I bless my children, I have two younger boys. When I get to the boys, this is the pasuk that traditionally I invoke. And I pray that they'll always have hope. Not only that they'll always have hope, but that hope will give them courage and make them open to receive that which life is offering, even when they don't see it. This is what I believe that Yaakov is telling us. What it means to be a Jew and to bring blessing into the world isn't some magic power that we have the ability to cause fields to fruit or rain to fall or I don't know what it is you might imagine. It's a life experience that tells us what is does not define what will be and a courage to act upon that hope which will bring real blessing into the world. But Yaakov's blessings don't stop with the sons of Yosef. He wants a full-on family deathbed scene. And indeed, at the end of the 49th chapter, he gathers, sorry, at the beginning of the 49th chapter, he gathers all of his sons together. And it says, Yaakov He called to his sons and said, right? right? Come together and I'll tell you what will befall you in the days to come. It's actually an exciting moment, seeing as the sons know that Yaakov's a prophet, he, in fact, according to many of the commentators, is going to reveal the end of days. But then a big debate breaks out about what exactly happens, because that's not what Yaakov seems to do. He says, he, right, come together, assemble and hearken, as says the translator here, O sons of Yaakov, hearken to Yisrael, your father. And he goes on to detail something about each one of his sons, not all of which, frankly, seems to be so nice. And it's a fascinating question because, according to many opinions, Yaakov blessed the boys. If you look right at the end of the parsha, in the 49th chapter, the 28th line, it says, right? These are the 12, the tribes of Israel, 12 in number. And this is what their father said to them. 
right? And the question is, what's that Vav do? What's they're doing? Is, they, is it all these were tribes of Israel, 12 in number, and this is what their father said to them as he blessed them? Or this is what the father said to them, and he blessed them. Meaning, we don't see the blessing. These were his parting words, as you might say, and not the blessing itself. But I want to offer that actually many of these pieces as criticisms or as identifying of strengths or as calling to awareness certain aspects of each of the boys, which they may not have even known themselves, is the real other element of blessing that Yaakov is teaching us here. You know, like I said, we don't have magic powers. I don't know if you give blessings to people, but I highly encourage you to do so. There's a great tradition that on one's Hebrew birthday, you have the ability to give blessings to others because that's the day you came into the world. And there's a certain mazal. Mazal, of course, doesn't mean luck, even though that's how we use it. Mazal comes the word uh, nozel, a flow, and it has to do with the constellation under which you were born. That there's a certain divine intent that flows into the world so that you have the ability to flow well, mazal tov, on your birthday, and you can give that little bit of blessing to others, but you can't give someone something that they don't already have. Maybe great tzaddikim and others do, but not you and I. But what you can do is call them to consciousness about what they have that they don't yet see. And that's what Yaakov does. Go through all those blessings. What he's doing is he's calling the boys to consciousness of what they already have, which they may not appreciate. And in doing so, he gives them access to it which is a tremendous blessing. This is something that we can all do for one another. We can call out the things in others which they themselves may not see, but which is a tremendous blessing that they carry. I mean, the critique side of this is true as well, you know, that, that it's good to know where our weaknesses are. And if this is indeed what Yaakov is doing, then he is not only blessing them, but doing literally what he told them he would do, that revealing to them what will befall you in the days to come. Because, of course, our future is not a random occurrence. Much of what comes in our life is a product of who we are, and in particular, the strong elements of our character, which we may be unaware of, tends to have a strong influence on how things play out. And so Yaakov calls the boys together, and he gives them a blessing by calling them to consciousness of the things which they already have that they may not yet see, something, like I said, we can all do for one another. But there's another very important piece in this blessing. And that's, as it says, He gave each of them the blessing, like I said, as they already had, but they're together. Why are they all together to hear these things? I mean, it might have been a little bit awkward. Yaakov raised some less than comfortable instance from the past of the boys. Those who've been making your way steadily through the book of Breshit will recognize with Reuven and Shimon and Levi, some of the sort of less than happy incidents that we've seen in the past. Why do it together? Wouldn't they be more receptive to the hearing these blessings, to being called to consciousness of their strengths and weaknesses if they were alone? The answer is perhaps, but we're all responsible for one another. Kol Yisrael All of Am Yisrael are responsible for one another. Therefore, if we know each other's strengths and weaknesses, we can help to hold one another accountable, and we can help each other be successful, which is another important aspect of blessing. When you see a strength in someone, call it to their awareness and help help them rise to the occasion. So these are a couple of pieces we can learn from Yaakov's approach to blessing. And we're almost done with the time we have allotted for the Parsha, but I want to just close on one more note. So they take Yosef's oath to Yaakov quite seriously. The brothers lift up his bed, sorry, Yaakov's bed, and take him up to 
the cave in, Hev- uh, in Hebron and bury him there. Like I said, a story for another time. But there's one last element of the par- Parsha that I don't want to miss. Because Yosef also leaves the world before his brothers. In fact, the sages learn that from this that, that um, anyone who is in a leadership position dies young because it basically consumes his energy. Now, Yosef's last words weren't a blessing per se, but they were a promise. And I think they're a good way in which we can end our podcast and, of course, which the Torah ends, Sefer Breshid. Right? Yosef said to his brothers, I'm going to die. Ve'elohim pakod yifkodechem. And I'm going to die, and God will surely pakod yifkod. And the translator here says, take notice of you, but I'm going to say, we'll remember, we'll recall you. Right? We'll connect to where you are. And Yosef also makes his brothers swear an oath to God, saying, when God has taken notice of you, right? Again, repeating, pakod yifkod. Notice the repetition. When he takes notice of you, you'll carry up my bones from here. And indeed, as we see later in the book of Shemot, the last thing Moshe does before he leaves the land of Egypt is take Joseph's bones. And then it says Joseph dies at the age of 110 years, was embalmed and placed in a coffin in Egypt, waiting. Not like Yaakov, who went on to his wholeness, found his peace in the land of Egypt, and therefore was able to bless the sons. Joseph is embalmed and placed in a coffin in Egypt. Now that promise does hold a certain aspect of blessing, right? And after all, it, it tells the brothers that God will recall. But not only does it tell them that God will recall, Yosef gave the brothers a code word for redemption, one which was to be passed down until the time was right. And he succeeded. Now, how do I know that Yosef succeeded in passing on the Pakodif code, code word that let us know that the promise is real, which, of course, is one of the great blessings in life, knowing that the promise is real. Even if we don't ourselves see it in our generation, we pass on that promise. We live the hope and courage and the blessing which that promise offers. But how do I know that it worked? Well, when Moshe, who opens the next phase of the divine story is fulfilling God's command in the third or receiving God's command rather in the third chapter of Shemot right God says go assemble the elders of Israel and say to them what do you expect right the Lord God of your fathers right near Eli has appeared to me it sounds very familiar the God of Avram Yitzchak and Yaakov right I have taken note that is the keystone phrase. The time has come for a promise to be fulfilled because, of course, though right now we're talking about everything goes after the ending, of course, every ending is just a new beginning. Breshit may be over, but Shemot is on the way. Chazak, chazak, v'nit chazek. That's a story for another time. Shabbat Shalom. We thank you again for downloading this podcast, a production of the Pardes Institute of Jewish Studies. This podcast has been generously sponsored by Bob Karasov and Hannah Bloomfield in honor of their children and grandchildren. If you liked what you just heard, please give us a five-star review wherever you download your podcast today. Be sure to tune in next week to listen to Rabbi Michael Hatton as he discusses Parashat Shmot. Thanks for listening.